listening to the Inspirational Insights, Insights to Action podcast. My name is Donna Jones, and this episode is a special episode because it's January 1st, 2021. We have had an interesting 2020, no question about it. And there are most people tend to, especially if they've been watching the news a lot, tend to see 2020 as an absolute disaster. But if you go more closely into the reactions that we see amongst people that have been through a lot of adversity or people that have perhaps responded with creativity, then we get a different story. The purpose of this particular program is to reflect back and make sense out of 2020 in a way in which that offers a bit of a beacon of hope and a beacon for focus for 2021. Because the real resilience in in all adverse conditions, as we could call the experience of a pandemic, is that, well, first of all, nobody expected it, which is the beauty of how things happen. Certainly in nature, it's radical, it's nonlinear, it just shows up. And it tends to shift in nature to a higher order. Have we done that? As a species in humans, well, that's, let's take a look at that and, and, and discuss that a bit, because that is the option that we have in front of us. Resiliency, then, is based on learning, and at the core of it, that stretches us into the uncertainty. So we have a chance, then, this whole, this whole process, then, has been very exciting in terms of using uncertainty as the, the, the growth edge, where people have had difficulty is when the uncertainty has also come with a high measure of feeling unsafe. And in a context where we've been talking about psychological safety, you know, the project coming out of Google and Amy Emerson at Harvard, it, it, it's, this is a time when we shift the, the safety zone from having security in the in the support of the outside world to bringing it into your inside world. And, and really what that talks about is self-efficacy. So if we look at one of the biggest opportunities that came out of 2020 and that can move into 2021, it's about believing a good outcome is in your direct control. That is self-efficacy, whether it's practiced at your personal level or practiced um, in an organizational sense. So lots to learn from, from this last year. I think the, the biggest part of it is that we are at the gate of a shift in consciousness. It's up to us to use it. And if we look back at 2020, we have lots of places where it wasn't taken advantage of yet. Still, here we stand with a chance to move forward in a much more responsible, more thoughtful, more meaningful, more purposeful, more positively impactful way than we have done before, because this transcends all. Joseph Chilton Pierce has put it this way, that neither our violence nor our transcendence is a moral or ethical matter of religion but rather an issue of biology. We actually contain a built-in ability to rise above restriction, incapacity, or limitation. And as a result of this ability, possess a vital adaptive spirit that we have not yet fully accessed. While this ability can lead us to transcendence, basically rising above a pandemic condition, 
Paradoxically, it can also lead to violence. Our longing for transcendence arises from our intuitive sensing of this adaptive potential, and our violence arises from failure to develop it. That's from The Biology of Transcendence by Joseph Chilton Pierce. So when we flick back on 2020 and the meaning of Black Lives Matter, this was not a violent process. This was very much a statement of we will not be put down anymore, and rightly so, because we need diversity at the table. We need diversity to handle the kinds of decisions that come out of complexity. We are seeing a shift then that moves from using conflict and as fixing it to, so we don't have to deal with things that make us uncomfortable to working with differences and diverse views as a expansive potential, as the capacity then to change and, and shift perspective, be able to see things through more lenses. I, I think, um, what we're talking about here is consciousness and, and a shift in consciousness. Now, sometimes when I talk about that, people's eyes glaze over and they wander off in their minds to some other spot uh, because consciousness it feels too foofy, uh, too, too woo-woo or something. But I, it's not. It's grounded in how you see things. It's grounded in how you perceive things. It's grounded in how you process information. Uh, Irma Laszlo, in a conversation we had in one of the podcasts called Toward a New Business Leadership Consciousness, defined practically consciousness as, quote, the determining factor of how we see the world, of who we are, what the world is, and what we can do in the world. It's the mindset, the totality of pre-assumptions, assumptions, intuitions, and information about the world, each other, the possibilities, dangers, and opportunities. I think that was a lovely definition because it, it keeps everything open. It allows us to see more expansively that the more we are able to adapt and, and adjust into new positions, the easier things like a global pandemic are going to be. Now, what, what does this pandemic mean? Uh, what does any kind of system issue mean? Uh, I was greatly relieved when I came across a comment made by Jeffrey Shaman, who, who studies climate and health at Columbia University's International Research Institute for Climate and Society. He said, both climate change and coronavirus as disruptors have lots of downstream consequences. With climate change, it's not just the climate system that changes. It affects human health, food security, agricultural security, political and economic stability, and governance. It has all of these ripple effects that affect all components of society in a very slow way that may be hard to quantify at times. Coronavirus is more immediate, but it's doing the same thing. As such, then, this global pandemic has been the kind of a system, complex systemic issue that really reveals where our decision making has flaws. For example, the Earth's Pollution cleaned up quite quickly once human activity stopped. Like it or not, we have an impact on na the nature's, na nature's systems. And that's important. It, it doesn't seem important because somewhere back in the mid-1500s, we got separated from nature in a way in which said we can control it. We are above it as a species. It do we don't need it. It needs us. When in fact, the opposite is entirely true. Uh, not only that, we are 
overlooking a tremendous opportunity to learn from very sophisticated technologies that nature brings and has been using for the four, four, 4.5 or so billion years that the, the earth has been in, in existence. We are losing species at a huge rate. I believe it's a million. And some people say, well, what's it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't affect me. So yeah, well, it does. An example is the, the bee. We've been poisoning bees for a long time because we didn't consider the impact of what we were doing. It was very uh, linear thinking. If we do this, then this will happen. But there was not the relationship, understanding of the relationship. That was never done at all. So what we've now got in front of us is a situation where bees are in trouble. The elimination of that species as pollinators means 60% of the food security worldwide disappears. Now, that's a pretty radical shift. So we have a chance then to use this experience to reconnect with nature, to reconnect with meaningful values. And by the way, these are all things that that Johan Hari mentioned in Lost Connections, why we have depression. We have depression because there's a massive source of disconnection and we can fix that. We're in this gap, this lovely gap where we can reconnect to meaningful values, to what matters to meaningful work, work that really matters in the world that makes a bigger benefit. So this poses an opportunity then for companies to really think about what's our higher purpose? What do we want to be doing here in the world? And how can we make a difference beyond survival? The assumption is that survival is a consumption activity that we just keep soaking up all these human resources and ecological and social resources so we can make money because the economy is, is everything. Well, not, not actually um, because without the vitality of the life support systems we have on the planet, we don't actually survive. And quite frankly, the planet doesn't really need us that much. E.O. Wilson, that biologist, naturalist E.O. Wilson once said that, if humans disappear, there'd be some disappointed armpit parasites. But if, if the ants disappeared, then the entire biomass of the system would collapse, meaning there would be no life. And I think those are the kinds of things that point to the opportunity we have to start thinking differently, to start seeing the world differently, to expand our consciousness using very diverse ways of looking at things exploring and replacing the fear, the fundamental fear that certainly drives executive decisions, quite often drives personal decisions, replacing that fundamental fear with curiosity. According to Stephen Kotler, it's the same vibration, you're just shifting a bit. So it's really just saying, what are the questions that we could be asking about the world that would that would um, change how we view our, our role in it and change how we move through it? So this is an exciting time then because we are in a place where we can ground these decisions going forward in 2021 in personal choice and in collective collaboration and co-creation. Very powerful moments. April 21st, 2020, Thomas Friedman was quoted in the New York Times as saying, in moments like these, and here he was referring to the pandemic, when choices we make are so impactful, people desperately want to believe their leaders know what they're doing. But they quickly learn that in times like these, leaders either grow or swell. They either grow out of their weaknesses and rise to the level of the challenge, 
or all of their worst weaknesses swell to new levels. Needless to say, we had a number of executives that illustrated how to amplify their weaknesses to new levels. It showed up in the Washington Post in an article that was published December 16th, where 45 out of the 50 biggest U.S. firms turned a profit since March. The majority of firms cut staff and gave the bulk of profits to shareholders. This is an example of how not to adapt to to a pandemic. It is an example of how not to adapt to complex change. And it is an example of how not to achieve prosperity in an op- when you've got the opportunity in front of you. It, it's a false sense of, pros- uh, of profit at the expense of restoring health and vitality to both the human and the ecological systems that support everything. This article also covered off the point that that so many firms had signed off, so many CEOs had signed off a a pledge to focus less on shareholders and more on the well-being of their employees and the bigger communities that they serve by their businesses, who really had the intention to do it, but didn't do it. And high on the list, Salesforce, Cisco, and PayPal, even after the executives said they wouldn't do it, they did. They also didn't have their boards supporting them, not particularly those companies. I don't know the specifics on those companies, but they also uh, did not necessarily have their board support. So it is a time when, when we must step back and say, or we have the opportunity to step back and say, what do we really want here? What do we really want to create? We're in an important gap, a co-creative space, if you will, and, and that may sound odd in light of what we've seen in the past and what we've been going through, but, but let me just give it the systemic angle first, and then I'll go back to what the opportunities are for executives and so forth. When I did a program, the first program I did in, in 2016 with Irvin Laszlo, it was to understand what are the systems what, you, you, you know, what are the systemic issues going on? And the best explanation I found for this was bifurcation. Now, that's a nice big word, and which means this. We stand at the intersection where departmentalized institutions are collapsing under the weight of complexity. So we've been using, I'm going to interject here, we've been using linear decision-making for a long time, and it's had a significantly high cost. For example, and I'll be interviewing Cassinia in January, she presented at the Disruptive Innovation Festival back in 2015, some interesting things. In our linear decision-making, 90% of the raw materials used in manufacturing become waste before the product leaves the factory. 80% of the products get thrown away within the first six, six months of their lives, ending up in incinerators, landfill, and wastewater. Every day, we are losing the equivalent of $3.4 billion worth of materials. That's a quote coming from Dominique Barton, a managing director of McKinsey in 2015, where he presented at Davos at the time. It's an expensive approach. So it's expensive not just from an economic approach, but it's also expensive from a human health, from a human potential point of view. Okay, so that's to interject and explain a little bit about what we mean by linear Now I'm going to go back to the definition of bifurcation. 
Anything that is failing to adapt is fragile and breaking down, including traditional executive level decision making, education, political and economic functions. Behind all this, you can see a fundamental system level transformation. Systems theorist Irvin Laszlo describes it as a split in the evolutionary trajectory. You'll find an article on this in the Huffington Post Great Work Cultures section. There are laws of complexity, including laws of the evolution of complexity that apply to all systems. A nonlinear system level transformation called a bifurcation is one such law. A bifurcation indicates a change, a radical change in the evolutionary trajectory of a system. A system will evolve along certain lines, which can be measured in terms of energy size, complexity, or some other parameter. It can evolve along its historic trajectory with minor fluctuations. But a time will come when such linear evolution is no longer possible. The system faces a stark alternative, transform or collapse. This is the point of bifurcation, end of quote from from Irvin Laszlo. It it occurs in the evolutionary trajectory of all complex systems and the end of some systems, the transformation of others. The challenge before us is to take the path of transformation rather than extinction. These are very different alternatives. And we're standing right in that space where we can choose to collaborate, co-create, develop, uh, cooperate with one another, shift away from the polarity and the duality that have characterized the consciousness of the past and step into a yes and experience that gives us a chance to uh, really and, and, and truly make a, a difference. COVID-19 is a wake-up call that reminds us that we are part of a living system. And it's showing us how prepared we are to adapt to uncertainty. I'm going to go back briefly and pull a quote from Vaclav Havel in his address to the U.S. Congress in 1991, when he said, without a global revolution in the sphere of human consciousness, nothing will change for the better. And the catastrophe toward which this world is headed, the ecological, social, demographic, or general breakdown of civilization, will be unavoidable. Well, here we stand. We stand at the January 1st, 2021 with the opportunity, with the invitation, with the chance to step into a new and higher level of consciousness. It's not a light leap. It requires commitment. It requires courage. It requires acceptance of responsibility for impact, for actions. It takes us to a place where we can actually Use more of who we are. Take your whole self to work. As Peter Senge once defined spiritual intelligence back in 1999, it was to take your whole self to work. Bring all of your talents online. This is where things like robots and all of the fears that go with, will I have a job? Will I not have a job? They melt away because you're not using what you bring to the work anyway. So this is a massive chance to really upgrade and and update who who you are and what you bring to the world at a personal level. There's also a chance to train your focus. This is one of the skill sets that complexity and or certainly uncertainty does. In my experience of being on the road for nine years uh, as a nomadic digital nomad, it's being very clear about where you're putting your energy. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the worst? Are you watching the news every day to see how bad the world's continuing to get? 
Or are you looking at and investing in a creative solution that can help make things better? Are you creating out of necessity? If so, great. Are you creating out of inspiration? Doubly good, because it means you don't have to wait till your nose is at the wall before you begin to adapt and adjust. Very exciting times from that from that point of view. The other thing that we're, we've got the chance to do is develop a capacity to sense it's more intuitive, to sense what is going on. And at the business level or in company levels, there's a much deeper dynamic going on that is running the show. And unless those leaders and executives deepen in those decision makers at those levels, including everyone, actually it's throughout the whole organization, but it's really the, 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 the bottleneck is sitting in, in the executive level. To deepen and expand perception, those deeper dynamics will run the show. Now, this works if there's no change, if the environment is static, if, it's, if stability is possible by trying to control and make things predictable. But we are not in that space. We are in a space where we have the chance to truly lead and to step forward. And so it's calling for sensory intelligence. It's calling for capacity to see to go deeper and to inspire human potential in expression of potential. The power of the human spirit is another way of putting it, which I think is phenomenally exciting. So we have all of these things in front of us now as well. I personally see 2021 as a big year for converting our fear into curiosity, for crossing bridges and and bringing in very diverse views, engaging toward meaningful goals, toward higher purpose and and more connected and meaningful values, to strengthen self-efficacy, to really trust that you in yourself and your capacity to navigate an uncertain condition. Yes, it's a set of skills that crosses over nicely into systemic understanding of more complex issues It is foundational and fundamental as a decision maker to make that deeper dive and to really develop a stronger capacity deep within. Embedded in every survival crisis is a chance to do things differently. We are standing at that crossroads and that intersection. We've gained from 2020, hopefully, insight and experience in working with a complex systemic issue. If we haven't learned, we must take the time to do that, to step back. We've given the opportunity to connect to each other, to connect to other species at a heart level, to really care, to embrace the differences of all people, regardless of of color, because we are all, in fact, human. And we have that chance to honor that. We can shift from what's in it for me from a biodiversity point of view into understanding that we have all got a responsibility to to birth into this world a consciousness that cares for people for life, essentially. Take on that responsibility full on. I invite you to come up with what you would like to see in this world, what part you would like to play in it, what part of yourself you would like to bring into it whether it's focusing on the present moment as a way of anchoring your worry and concern and fear, whether it's breathing as your simple tool for overriding anxiety, I invite you to then participate in in helping with this expansion, in stepping into that gap and co-creating a future 
that we want and that benefits all. Thank you very much for joining me. The podcast has got some really interesting programs coming up this fall. I thank you for your support and happy new year. 2020 talked to us about working with uncertainty, working with ambiguity from the personal level all the way through to global issues. Typically, global issues have been handled using linear thinking and reductionist thinking, which actually doesn't produce any results, unfortunately. So the chance that we have then is to really, especially in business, which is being was looked to for leadership until COVID came along, and then people began to look to government to make the decisions that would keep them safe and secure. That worked well in some parts of the world, it worked so well in others. But in terms of the work that I do and the work that in terms of working with you, I'm excited about sitting down and rethinking how strategy comes together because strategy is no longer a goalpost to goalpost way of thinking as it has traditionally been done. It is learning to work with emergent conditions. And, and that's precisely what the pandemic did do is it popped up and allowed people to really think on their feet. It gave some creative juice but it also gave uh, an opportunity to respond to fear instead of actually using it for expansion. So really the chance we have then and the opportunity is to work with each other to co-create something that develops capacity while getting the job done. So please contact me, D-A-W-N-A-H-J-O-N-E-S on LinkedIn or Twitter, E-P-D-A-W-N-A underscore Jones or you can email me directly at insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, Donna Jones, D-A-W-N-A-J-O-N-E-S, at gmail.com. I'm using that address because I'm not confident in my other one. So look forward to chatting with you.